state um heading to do a wedding um for my sister's getting married and i'm very thankful for that she's um like all of us we've had did a lot of crazy things and she's really gotten her life turned back around i just praise god for that she's been out of prison now for four years uh, over four years and um she found a really wonderful uh, man that and um God has blessed me with the ability to do the wedding, and I'm so thankful for that. And I just want to open with a word of prayer as we jump into tonight, um, because we're going to cover some really important don't miss stuff. And and just a, a heads up, I'm going to pray for Brother Benjamin. He's uh, please keep him in prayer. Um, they've had some personal stuff going on right now that, and I'll let him talk about it on the remnant call. Um, but just need some prayer right now for fam- his family and everything. Um, and that God would just bring them through, um, the current situation, um, and just, just, uh, please keep him in prayer. So let's, let's ask our father to bless this father in the name of Yeshua. We ask that you bless the show. We pray Lord for brother Benjamin, that you would be with him and his family. Lord, comfort them, bless them through these times. And Lord, I pray for you just that peace that passes all understanding Lord to surround and comfort Lord, I pray for uh, this wedding, that it be blessed by you. Lord, that this marriage would be brought together with Jesus, with Yeshua in the middle of it. Lord, and that my sister and family, Lord, would just, at this time, draw close to you, understanding the hour that we are living in. Lord, I thank you for family that actually does understand the hour that we're living in, Lord. And I know there are those who don't in our family, but... Lord, this weekend I had the pleasure of being with my earthly father, Lord, and some other family members, Lord, and I just thank you um, that they are awake and, and looking and adamantly expecting very soon the return of our Lord and Savior. So, Lord, bless this program tonight. Keep us from the hour of deception, Lord, that is upon this earth right now. I ask it in Yeshua's precious name. Amen. Folks, I want to talk a little bit about tonight as we get into kind of the meat of the topic and just deception is a prominent thing that we are all facing right now and it's in the news media um, specifically more and more about the aliens and folks you got to remember this deception and and this is not something to be played with because we're dealing with a supernatural book written by a supernatural God who created supernatural beings. So the supernatural is a common thing within the word of God. And this alien deception right now, which I believe is 100% completely demonic, I believe we need to understand it fully so that when the next thing that comes along Um, to try to bring in deception into the body of Messiah, we will be prepared. Now, if you saw the thing that just recently happened in Nevada um, with the family that claimed that, you know, and and they they actually caught the light on body cam of the police 
Um, so when they were called to this house, they had seen this uh, craft or light, whatever it was, this green light going down uh, in the vicinity of these people's homes. So they responded to the call. The people were freaked out. And I listened to the young boy's testimony, um, you know, about seeing, you know, tall, weird creatures and all this stuff. Folks, this is the thing God has warned us about at the end of time is these deceptions that are coming on that will deceive the earth. And it's all the devils trying to do to get you distracted from the truth. You got to remember there, the devil is a counterfeiter. We know there's a second coming. Well, there's also a false second coming. And we know there are supernatural good beings um, and God's army and all these people, but we, there's also supernatural enemies of God. And if you look at, it's amazing, all these so-called creatures, right? That people, alien, whatever, you know, the people claim to see. And these people, the, even the cops were buying what they were telling them. Um, they are all these ugly. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, if God made us in his image, a beautiful creation, why would he, why would then the rest of the creation of this world, you know, the universe, if there's all these other planets and we know there's only one creator, why would there be this creation of these ugly, you know, malformed creations? Well, it's demonic. It's, it's the devil. It's the vessels that these uh, deceptions are trying to be in for this last hour to deceive God's people. And if you're not armed with this understanding and knowledge, then when somebody announces one day that we've been visited or or we've made contact and we're, you know, and, and they say, well, th there was actually no God. It was these aliens from some other planet who came years ago to, you know, seed the earth. And, and, and these are actually your gods. This is what the ancient Titans were talking about. And the, you know, the Mesopotamians were talking about. These are the, the true gods. You will be deceived because if you're not grounded in God's word, then you will be drawn away to something else. And I can't stress this enough right now that this stuff is going to be more and more put into our face. God talks about, I've said it over and over again, about the end of times, the, the supernatural events that are going to take place. A statue that speaks. The false prophets, they're going to call down fire from heaven. There are going to be signs and wonders that are going to be mind-blowing out there. And if you're not grounded in the truth of God, you will be carried away by this deception. And we have to understand that we have to actually read the Bible. You're not going to go take a driving test and just think, well, I've been driving my whole life. I can just take this driving test and I'll be just fine. No, you're going to actually study to learn the laws of the land, to understand what the signs say so that you can pass this test and score. It's not a lack of faith that you read the manual to pass the test. It's proper studying of what you do in order to understand the knowledge needed to pass it. The same way with the Word of God. We must read His Word, seek His face, pray, and study the Bible so that we know the truths. Because these people that are always, you know, just prophesying out their 
their backsides, you know, making up stuff out of their flesh. They actually aren't even grounded in the word. They wouldn't even know how to test it against the word because they don't even know the very word of God. I, I turn on any, well, don't even turn them on, but any one of these false, you know, Sunday of, uh, evangelists going around here and, and, you know, these, these, uh, so-called preachers and, and false prophets and Kenneth Copeland's and all these people, it's all, it's all demonic. It's nothing from God. And they come in all, the, the devil comes in all shapes, sizes, and forms. And he's in churches. Listen, the devil attends church in the United States of America every single week. Why is that? Because the word of God is barely preached anywhere anymore from any of our churches. So don't be surprised that the devil is attending church. He probably enjoys watching all the biting, the fighting and the backbiting and the backstabbing and the false words. Who knows? He probably even says hallelujah and amen when he's there, when he sees all the deception that's going on inside the churches these days and age. And I'm trying to drill this into your mind to not trust anything right now except what's in the very word of God. It is your protection. It's your safety. And honestly, folks, if these things, you know, it might be the best thing you can do is just shut off the news, shut off everything, because if it's worrying you so much that it's causing you anxiety, stop. Get in the very word of God and let God bring us through. And so that way, these deceptions, you will not be phased. You will not be moved. But you need to be aware of what the plans of the devil are. And so that we are armed with the truth of God so that we can stand against the lies that are taking place right now. With that being said, we must heed the words in the book of Jude that we must contend for that faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Now, God, in the last days, we just talked about all of the supernatural events that are going to happen. And from the enemy, the, he's going to be let loose and all of his minions and hordes and everything like that from hell are going to be let loose. But also God's people are going to do the supernatural also. And we know that God, based on his word, has saved the best wine for last. He has saved the greatest. There are things. Remember, Jesus said even greater works than he has done, we should do. And, and trust me, the, the apostles, they did amazing works. And they did some works that were incredible. Remember, Peter's shadow was literally healing people. But they are still things that they didn't do that Christ did do. And so that tells me that there are still more things to come that will be supernatural and that God will be working through his people. But what I'm seeing right now is this brokenness and this confusion and a lack of faith and a lack of hope in the world right now you've watched the news this what's happening right now and you know that the current leaders of the united states are lying to you we see the president his son it's all lies it's all false what's going on and i'm not batting for the other side because they're all just as evil right now but we see the the hypocrisy and the double standards that are taking place and it it 
it's so bad and and it's causing depression in people because so often too many people today have their hope in a political system they you know they believe if trump could just win again you know that that that'll fix everything or if this person a candidate folks it's not going to happen it's not we're we're too far gone we're we've we've gone so far onto the other side now we can't turn back we don't even know who we are anymore we don't know what a man or a woman is so how are we going to recover back from that with all this confusion that's going on we're not because we're living in the last days but god has called us to understand that he has a purpose for us and that no matter where you've been how bad you've been how much you've fallen how many times you've broken your promises that if you will cry out god will save and he will heal and i just want to touch just a few quick things tonight out of the book of Ruth, which I believe is arguably one of the most powerful um, books in the Bible. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Actually, the book of Ruth is actually key to understanding the book of Revelation, especially in chapter five, in understanding about the seven seals and all that stuff. It, the book of uh, Ruth just lays it out. And, and it's very, it's a very good book because there's a couple of deep spiritual secrets that took place in the book of Ruth that will guide us in the last hour. Now, I just want to read a few things here. Ruth uh, chapter one, starting in verse one. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilon, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons, and they took them wives of the women of Moab. The names of the one was Oprah, or Orpah, excuse me, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years, and Malon and Chilon died, both of them, and the women was and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. So here we've got remember, they if you understand the context, there was a famine in the land. They left, went to Moab to where they could survive as a family, and they all lived there, and the two sons of Elimelech and Naomi went and married wives, Malon and, and Chilon, and they eventually ended up dying. Now, I looked up just for a quick reference their names and the meanings. Elimelech, interesting enough, means God is my king, hence in the word El. Um, Naomi means pleasant. Malon means to be sick or sickly, which is interesting, and Chilon means wasting or pining. So obviously these boys seem to have been some sickness since birth. Something wasn't right because their very names almost prophesied their death, uh, their life of sickness. So they ended up dying. And eventually the, the it passed. And you remember, if you remember the story of, of Orpah and, and Ruth, Naomi was going to go back to her home country and they, 
you know, she told them, look, go back to your home and, and find your husbands there, you know, and they're like, no, we're going to come with you. And she's like, what are you going to do? Wait till I have another child or some sons and wait till they raise up. And so finally Orpah went back and, and Ruth refused to leave and said, look, your people are going to be my people and your God shall be my God. And that is, you know, a powerful statement, a wonderful statement. Um, and she continued back to the land. Now, looking in here and seeing the sons dying, both of them, we've got a completely broken home. Here is a widow, two widows, heading back that left famine to find food and were basically made destitute and brought back. And now you remember when Naomi, or excuse me, you remember when I said that Naomi's name meant pleasant, right? Well, on the day that Naomi returned back to her homeland, they greeted her with a very interesting greeting, and I want you to listen to what she says, starting in Ruth chapter 1, verse 19. So, they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi. Now, why would they say that? What did I tell you her name meant? Pleasant, right? He said, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt bitterly with me. So that's very interesting. She's angry. And she says, don't you dare call me pleasant, right? Call me Mara, because I am bitter. And that's what her name meant. This is why she is frustrated and upset. Listen to what she says in verse 21. I went out full, and the Lord, now she calls him by name, she says Yahweh, right? And through the, the Bible, we're talking about Yahweh, right? She's calling him by the name, the Tetragrammaton. And Yahweh hath brought me home again empty. Why then call me Naomi, or pleasant, seeing that Yahweh hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. Now that's interesting right there. Why did Naomi get angry? Well, because she was bitter of what happened. But why would she flip from calling the Lord Yahweh over to the Almighty, which means literally she's saying the word El Shaddai. She is taking a direct swipe at God. She is blaming God for what happened. Because what she's actually saying is, the one who was supposed to provide. See, the word El Shaddai is the provider, right? It's, it actually, the word hints to like being suckled at the breast, right? She goes from saying Yahweh was supposed to provide and failed to provide for me. That's why when she switched to saying El Shaddai, she was taking a swipe at God for failing to provide. I know many, even listening here, 
have felt many times in our lives like God has stopped caring. He stopped loving. He might not even know that you exist anymore. I know many have felt like that. But I want you to see what's going on in here. God had not left her. But she's human. And she's angry. And she's upset. And so you remember the story. How Ruth, her daughter-in-law, went out to glean in the field. To catch the corners where they would let the let the barley and the wheat fall. So that the poor could come and and get and get some gleaning done so they could have some food to eat and she met Boaz which was a type of Jesus a type of deliverer if you and I can't get into the whole story tonight it's so powerful and eventually he wants to marry her under the law of the kinsman redeemer but there's another one that's closer first he asks him he doesn't want to do it because he has to take on the whole family. He can't just get the land. So he ends up redeeming her. Now, there's a few problems that are going on inside this entire story. The first problem we have here is Ruth is a Moabitess. There's a problem in this time with what's going on with Moabites. They have been forbidden for 10 generations to go into the land. They're not allowed. This, this time took, this book, the best they can guess, took time somewhere between 1105 and, and 1085 BC. And it put the story sometime in the area around when Samson's rule was taking place in the book of Judges. But they had been forbidden as Moabites to come into the land. And so the first thing that puzzled me in this book is how can God allow a Moabitess who's been banned for 10 generations to come into the land and be a part of God's family and not only be a part of God's family, but end up being in the lineage of Yeshua. There's an issue there. Now, you do remember that this book started off early on in the first chapter with Ruth telling Naomi that wherever you go, I'm going to go, and your gods will be my gods. It's actually known as a sevenfold promise. It's a very famous thing in the Bible. It goes, there's seven different promises that are made for whether thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. Thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die. There will I be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also, if aught but death, part thee and me. Sevenfold promise that was made. And so, going back to the book of Deuteronomy in twenty in uh, chapter 23 and 3, the Bible says very clearly, an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to their 10th generation shall they not enter the congregation of the Lord forever. 10 generations out, at least, they were not allowed to enter into the congregation of the Lord. 
So how is it that here you have a Moabitess forbidden to come in, end up somehow getting in to the lineage of Jesus? This makes no sense. Until I read a provision that had been made in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verse 48. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him become near and keep it, and he shall be as one that is born in the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. Did you hear that? And it's actually in Leviticus too. That if a stranger shall come into the land and keep the Passover, do the things of God, that they will no longer be an outsider, but will be as one born in, or in Leviticus also says, of the land. They will become literally a part of Israel. Ruth is one of the, if not the very earliest story in the Bible of the true born again experienced. A cursed woman forbidden to come in. There's no way, 10 generations, but God has a provision out there that says, if you'll do the things I ask you to do, Remember, she said, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Every her, What she was saying is, the things that you do you're, with your God, I will do the same exact things. She wanted the God of Israel to be her God. And she got born again. And it proves a fact that no matter how hard you've sinned or bad you've sinned or what you've done, or maybe you think you've gone beyond the point of redemption, that even the cursed thing of the Bible that God says no, if they will come back and repent and turn to him, that he is willing and ready to save. Ruth had no part in God's plan. But because in her heart, she chose to follow and to love the one who ultimately loved all that he created. She got to become a part and that curse remained no more. That is the same thing available to each one of us today. But this, it goes even more. And there's so much in Ruth. It takes hours and hours to go through the book. It's so many deep hidden treasures. But it's the end of the book of Ruth that I think is such a message for us today. It says this, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman, the women said, Unto Naomi, now this is Ruth's mother-in-law, remember. Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age, for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better 
to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. So Naomi has taken this child because if you read earlier in the begin earlier in this book, one of Boaz's arguments back to the people, the elders, when he was at the gate, he had said, Your witnesses this day is what he told them, that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilon's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead, talking about Malon, be not cut off from among his brethren, and from the gate of this his place ye are my witnesses this day. Boaz and Ruth have a son named Obed, the grandfather of David. But they raised him in the name of Malon, who died. This was actually Malon's son through the law of the kinsman redeemer, which means technically Malon is in the lineage of Yeshua also. Not just Boaz, but because of the law of the kinsman redeemer, Malon now has a part in the lineage of Messiah. Had he not died, he would have not had a part. But because he died, he now has a part. Do you see what the word of God is teaching us? Just like Paul said, we die daily. If we are willing to die to the flesh, we can have a part and be alive unto Christ. It's so beautiful, this book, teaching us that death to the flesh means life in the spirit. God was sending a prophetic word in this powerful book of Ruth, which there's so many truths in this book. It's, it, it's amazing and so many deep revelations. But God is calling us in this hour to die to self and to be alive unto Christ. And I find it so amazing that not only was Ruth the cursed, right, in the lineage. Now Malon, right, who was sickly, right, the poor, the weak of this earth, who have an inheritance, amen, to that. But we also have prostitute in the lineage of Jesus. Rahab the harlot. You see, God is a specialist at taking the cursed things that the world doesn't care about and redeeming them and slapping the face of the scoffers because they can't handle the truth that God loves the people, the sinners, the harlots, the, the downtrodden, the backslidden, the messed up. And all they have to do is cry out and repentance and come back to Christ. That's all we have to do in this hour. With all the deception, the alien infiltration, the lack of the word of God being preached in the churches, the wimpiness of the men, men not even knowing their men anymore, women not even knowing their women, everything's confusion. And God is looking for a people who will have some clarity and some discernment in this hour through knowing and understanding the truth is in God's word by the power 
of redemption of even that which is cursed if they will come to Christ and repent. So to you, my brothers and sisters, as I'm traveling down this road tonight, on my way to North Carolina to facilitate a marriage, to, to do the wedding for my my sister as she's getting married four years out of prison. Nobody ever thought she would get it back on the right path, but the slap in the face of the scoffers is sweet. And I'm here to tell you my cousin David will be there. Remember I've told you, talked about David and the powerful redemption. He's going to be there at the wedding. And and there's going to be so many dysfunctional misfits that have had terrible pasts that God is bringing together for this wedding. And I glory in his name for his power and his mercy. And I'm thankful that he has not given up or stopping in this last hour. So the choice is ours right now. We can sit around and mope at our failures, mope at our backslidings, mope at all the things we've done wrong, or we can get on our knees and pray and fast and seek our Heavenly Father's face and watch the power of the kinsman redeemer come and restore us back to life in Jesus Christ. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Trumpet in time.